Today on the newscast, we are on the Israel-Lebanon border, Hezbollah country, for an in-depth analysis on the world's most dangerous terrorist organization with Israel Defense Forces Reserve Major Elliot Chodoff. That's coming up. Hey folks, Eric Stackelbeck here. Welcome to the Watchman newscast, day two of our Israel production, and welcome to the Israel-Lebanon border. Quite a vantage point here, as you can see, of southern Lebanon, Hezbollah country. We are joined by our good friend, Elliot Chodoff, Israel Defense Forces Reserve Major, political, military, strategic, security, master strategist, I would say. It is always great to be with you, my friend. Thanks for joining us here. My pleasure. Yeah, it's been too long since before COVID. That's right. The gang is back together now. Yes. Let's get into it. A foremost Hezbollah expert. We are joined by folks. Okay, Elliot, number one, I guess, set the scene for us. We're on the Israel-Lebanon border. Where exactly are we? Okay, the coast is behind me to our west. The border at this point runs east-west. We're looking north. The border is here below us, just on the next ridge. The ridge beyond, the sort of clear ridge, clear of greenery, is Lebanon, or better termed Hezbollah land. <laughs> uh, all of those villages are controlled by Hezbollah. This border continues a little bit further to the east, and then it turns north uh, to the area of Metula, which is the northernmost mm -hmm. point in Israel, and then from there the Golan Heights off behind you, off to the east. So essentially this, this area to the ridge and beyond is what would generally be called South Lebanon, okay. under complete control of Hezbollah today. Wow, and there was some fierce fighting here during the 2006 Israel-Hezbollah yes. war, right uh, over our shoulder yeah, here. The village over here, um, Ait Ashab, there was a the, battle with, with Israeli paratroopers. Mm -hmm. um, the villages a little bit further to our, our east, also some very heavy fighting. This is, of course, the area where many of the rockets were fired out of that hit northern Israel. Right, and folks, as you can see, it is such a beautiful area. Yes. Uh, very deceiving what lurks behind this beautiful, these idyllic villages here. Big question, I think, Elliot, that a lot of people were asking. The recent war between Hamas and Israel why was the north not set on fire by Hezbollah? Why did they not throw their hats in the ring as well? So, of course, there was always that possibility, and the, arm, the army took that into account. But many of us, and I among the experts who deal with it, uh, were very, very doubtful that it would happen. In fact, it didn't happen. Yeah. I think we have to, it's important to understand Hezbollah is an army, and it, it's a strategic thinking organization tied into Iran through the Revolutionary Guards Quds Force. And they've spent the past 15 years building up an enormous amount of military power. They're not going to waste it in some demonstrative measure uh, to help Hamas. I would go even further than that. I believe that Iran was instrumental in, in instigating what Hamas did to a great extent. And I, I don't like single explanation, you know, single term explanations. Sure. But part of it. We're in an ongoing war with Iran and Syria and beyond. Uh, we're facing off against Hezbollah, although it's been very quiet on this border. And Iran has an interest in shifting our attention 180 degrees from here in Syria to down there in Gaza. Yeah. So the Hamas eruption was, was essentially a distraction. I hate to make it sound trivial because yeah. 4,000 rockets and, Big threat. and, and yes. casualties and damage. But from a strategic perspective, it was a diversion, distraction, to get Israel to focus down there, 
but the main event is the, up here. The main event is We've up. called it here in the newscast the coming Great Northern War. Yes. A kind of Game of Thrones terminology almost, but this is Hamas major threat, obviously, Elliot, like you said, but Hezbollah is another level. Right. Tell us about their capabilities. Okay, well, first of all, Hezbollah is trained, organized, equipped as a military force, not a first-rate army. They don't have armor. They, they don't have air forces, uh, but a first-rate ground force, infantry. They are organized as military force and companies and battalions and brigades. Let's put it this way. Hamas calls their units brigades. These are brigades. Well-trained. Uh, Well-trained. Well-armed. Yes, with a great deal of Iranian influence on that. They used to send their guys to Iran to train. Now the Iranians are training them here, and they're training themselves. They got a lot of combat experience in the Syrian war. So, th in other words, they are now a self-perpetuating organization. Tens of thousands of foot soldiers? Best estimate is probably in the 30,000 range. Um, but well-trained, elite. Right. Plus what they would call reserves, which include guys who are simply trained to fire rockets, okay, which doesn't take a, a great deal of training. So the 30,000 I'm talking about are field troops. Gotcha. Rockets, my estimate, in the quarter of a million range. Quarter of a million, 250,000 right. rockets, uh, many of them probably stationed here, right here. Here and beyond, yes. Wow. Uh, just so people get a sense, in 2006, they started the war with about 20,000 rockets. They fired 4,000 over 34 days into Israel. In this recent round with Hamas, they started with also about 20,000 rockets, they and, and Islamic Jihad, mm -hmm. and they fired some 4,000, I'm rounding numbers, but some 4,000 in 11 days. Wow. Here what we're a difference talking, 15 years makes. Right, and here we're talking about over 10 times that number, longer range. We already saw the Hamas rockets were more accurate than what we've seen in the past. Mm -hmm. Puts extra, extra stress on the Iron Dome system. Keep in mind that the Iron Dome is limited, first of all, by quantity, but it also separates out those that are going to hit and those that are going to miss, mm -hmm. which means the more that are likely to hit puts that much more stress on the system. The sheer volume. Well, right, volume plus probability of, of being a danger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So those two factors together, here we're talking about over 10 times that capability. We're in a whole different, different league. Whole different ballpark. Um, the terror tunnels, just a sneak peek, a sneak tease for everyone. We were inside Hezbollah terror tunnels today with the Israel Defense Forces here on the Israel-Lebanon border. That's coming up on the Watchman newscast and the TV show on TBN very soon. But the terror tunnel enterprise, another facet, a yes. potential Hezbollah ground invasion of where we're standing right now, northern Israel. Yes. First of all, they've, they've made it clear. Nasrallah has said that his one of his purposes is to conquer the Galilee. Now, he's not going to conquer the Galilee. But they have assault companies uh, under the codename Rejuan, who was uh, Imad Murnia. Of course, the not-so-dearly-departed terror right. master. Yeah, Exactly. Assault companies along this border whose purpose now company in round numbers is, is dozens of troops uh, and troops, they're, they're trained infantry, whose purpose is to cross into Israel and take any one of a number or multiple numbers of Israeli villages along the border. The tunnels were part of that operation. They were, the operation was not dependent on the tunnels. I think this is a really yeah. important thing to understand. The, the operation was separate, is, the plan is separate from the tunnels, 
But the purpose, the primary purpose of the tunnels was to send pioneer forces in ahead of the assault companies to get in and grab tactically critical points like road junctions, high points like where we're standing right now. Set up, you can just imagine, you can see the view, set up an anti-tank missile crew up here and you control every road below you. Cut off Israeli communities. Exactly. And here, it's, let's also keep in mind, this is not classical warfare. This is terrorist warfare. Hmm. And what that means is the rules of the game and the, the measure of success is different. Let me explain what I mean. An assault company will take ground. will take 500 yards, 1,000 yards. It'll take it. In classical warfare, if a company takes a thousand yards of ground and gets wiped out in the process, it loses. In terrorist warfare, if that same assault company takes a village, kills 200 civilians, and then gets wiped out, it's a victory. Plants that Hezbollah flag. Plants the flag. Propaganda right, value. Yeah. Gets it up on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Tremendous value as far as they're concerned. Which means that the defensive tactics against them have to be redesigned to mean zero ground success for the enemy. That's a very, very high bar. Okay, Elliot, last question, a two-part question. Uh, number one, Israel Defense Forces Reserve Major, of course. Is the IDF prepared for this threat, this looming war that is coming? You have said many times, hey, Eric, it's a question out of if but when. Correct. That's number one. Secondly, the larger game here, the head of the snake in Tehran, the Iranian regime, and their role here and in the region. Okay, so the answer to your first question has to be yes and no. Any army that says it's fully prepared for war is kidding itself. Is the IDF prepared as well as it could be under the circumstances and continue to prepare? The answer is yes. I think that everything that I've seen over the past years is that this threat is being taken seriously, which was not the case leading up to 2006. We saw it, I think, in, in microcosm with the recent Gaza eruption. Mm -hmm. uh, the military is, if, if you watched it closely, is operating at a much higher level of, uh, I'll call it human machinery, okay, okay? In, in terms of smoothness and, and coordination yes. than, than we've seen in the past. And, and that's by plan, by intention, by training, by exercise, is yeah. really... It, it seemed that way in the Gaza yes. operation, a well-oiled right. machine in many yes. ways. Yes, that's, that, that's my yeah. point. And under the circumstances, of this, that's the yes part. The no part is, of course, you know, the enemy always has his say in it. Uh, the unknown. And, and Right, the unknown, and, and there, there will always be surprises. Look, all of this is about Iran. Iran has imperial, global imperial aspirations, and subordinate to that, eliminating Israel. Khomeini was a violent, vehement anti-Semite. Was the hatred of Israel is not about Israeli policy. Uh, it was it's about Jew, the Jewish people. He was a Jew hater. He was genocidal in his thinking. Yeah. There, there are no big secrets on this. Hezbollah is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Quds Force, of the Iranian Revolutionary Guards. Hamas is a proxy. This is a subsidiary. So this is Hezbollah is part of part of the picture in a direct sense, as are the Houthis, as are the. Um, the militias in, in Syria Iraq, and Iraq. Syria, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but they're all serving essentially the Iranian purpose, which is short-term to eliminate Israel and long-term to get a grip on the Middle East and from the Middle East, the Persian Empire. Yeah. 
and that's what we're seeing. I think it's important to note uh, there were airstrikes last night, Israeli airstrikes in Syria against the Iranian Not targets. far from where we're standing right no, now. No, no, you could. If Last night, if we were standing here, we might have been able to see the flashes. Yeah. But this is ongoing. In other words, three, four, five times a week, this, this is happening, yeah. sometimes reported, sometimes not. We are already at war with Iran. It's a low-level war. It's a distant war. But the war is on. This is not the war that's going to be. The question is only when is it going to sort of jump level and erupt in, in a much more open kind of fighting. You know, I don't do those kinds of predictions. No, you don't. But you do a very good job, my friend, to say the least. Thank God we have you watching this because, as Elliot said, folks, this promises to intensify. You're not going to get better analysis than that anywhere else. Uh, the website is in process. That's right. Uh, you it's going to be great. You know I'm low tech. I know you're low tech, but that's why we love you. Uh, the website's in the works. It's coming. But in the meantime, if you want to follow Elliot's great analysis, Facebook. Facebook. Or just Google me. A lot of my yeah. stuff goes up in, in different places. It's all there. And if you want a great lecture in the States or wherever you are in the world, Elliot is traveling the world giving lectures on these topics. No one does it better. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you. Uh, we'll be back with you soon, I know. Absolutely. And, folks, tomorrow we will be back with you. We're way up north today. We're going down south tomorrow to the Gaza border. That's right. The aftermath of the Gaza war that Elliot just described. We will be in Stayrot, Ashkelon, different points that were severely affected by that Hamas war. You won't want to miss it tomorrow right here on the Watchman Newscast. Until then, for Elliot Chodoff from the Israel-Lebanon border, thanks for joining us. God bless you. And remember, never hold your peace.